Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, we're continuing with our Biblical Mindset series, and we are going into the third episode on a Biblical Mindset Towards Relationships. If you haven't caught the first two, I encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time. This week, we're going to be specifically talking about building a relationship code of honor in singleness, pre-marriage, and marriage. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know this is the last chance to register to be a part of our Set Apart Conference this year for 2023. You can stream a simulcast just to your own computer and enjoy the sessions on your own, or one simulcast registration covers a group of any size, so it's a great way to share these truths with other women in your life. The theme this year is Valiant, Becoming a Woman of Heavenly Strength. We'd love to have you join us anywhere you are in the world, and you'll have access to the sessions for the rest of this year so you can enjoy them at a time that works best for you. Go to setapart.org if you'd like to learn more or click the link in this podcast description. Let's talk about a biblical mindset towards relationships when it comes to setting a relational code of honor. Now, as I said earlier, we do not want to fall into the trap of legalism and rules because that is so dangerous. It takes God's spirit out of the process of building a relationship. It kind of just barrels us ahead without him and says, you know, if I just put a bunch of rules together and follow this direction, I'll be successful in this area of our life. But God desires to be intimately involved in the details of this area of our lives. And it's very easy to just rely on a list of rules or legalism instead of the spirit of God. And that leads to all sorts of dangerous heartache and bad patterns within the church and in our own lives. But it's also very important that we do have a code of honor, biblical guidelines that help us approach this area of our life in a truly God-honoring and truth-filled way. Because even in the church, it's very easy to take our cues from the culture instead of the word of God. It's so easy to be influenced by what we see and hear all around us, movies, blogs, social media, even just looking at the way other people live. It's so easy to compare ourselves to the dismal standards of this culture and assume we are approaching this area in a healthy way because our standards might be slightly higher. One of the key truths I have recognized in my own life and background and in being in ministry for so many years is that relationships can become the biggest stumbling block in our lives if we fail to honor God's pattern and we fail to bring Christ into the center of this area. So some of the common relationship pitfalls that I've seen are people who rush into a marriage that ends in disaster because they rushed in with impatience and they didn't really allow the Spirit of God to direct them. Maybe they were putting too much focus on a formula or a list of rules and thinking they were safe because of that, or causing damage to your future marriage because of the way you choose to live in your single years, or allowing a relationship to pull you away from Christ. This is something I commonly see where someone is just following totally focused on Christ and then a relationship comes in, it becomes a distraction where they no longer put Christ first or hurting others and hurting yourselves, destroying families because you're not approaching this area of your life in a healthy and God honoring way. Let's take a look for a minute at the difference between a relationship code of honor or a list of rules. The key truth is this, a code of honor is an outflow of our personal relationship with Christ. It comes from a longing to please him rather than just being a list of rules to follow. A code of honor reminds us of critical truth that can protect us from making wrong decisions in this area. So the key is that a code of honor is based on biblical principles, not letter of the law rules. So keep that in mind as we walk through this. This is not meant to be a list of rules. This is meant to be a list of 
truth-filled principles that God can show you how to apply to your specific situation and season of life, working in cooperation with God's leading and his spirit. So let's talk about the first principle that is so key for a relational code of honor. By God's grace, let's commit to bringing our emotions under the control of Christ. That is the first and foremost principle that I see as so necessary in a relationship code of honor. Christ must become our all in all. We commit to that to say, Lord, you are the one who fulfills and satisfies me. And therefore my emotions or my longings or my desires don't need to control me. If he is not in that place, that really is is the first step is going after him until you know that he has first place in your heart. Because unless he is in his rightful place, our emotions will quickly take over and rule our lives. Now, why is being led by emotion so dangerous? Well, first of all, just a quick look at the word of God shows us that this is a dangerous path to follow. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And I've heard Christians say, well, but once your heart is redeemed by Christ, it's not deceitful anymore. It depends on what voice you're listening to, what voice you're yielding to. The voice of the flesh, our selfish desires is always there kind of knocking at the door of our heart. And if we yield to it and we allow that to rule our life, the heart is deceitful and wicked and we can be deceived even by our own heart. It's only when we yield to the spirit of Christ working through us by his grace, it is not I, but Christ who lives in me, that he renews our thoughts, our heart, our approach to everything. But there is always that temptation to listen to the voice of the flesh versus the voice of the spirit. And we have to be very aware of that. It says in Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Now in that verse, trust means to place confidence in. So when we place confidence in our own hearts, and our heart in that verse means our feelings and our intellect and our will. So that human fleshly desire, what we emotionally think sounds good. If we place our confidence in that, we are being foolish. But when we walk wisely according to the wisdom of God, we will be delivered. And if you want to know the end of the fate of the fool in Proverbs, read the entire book of Proverbs because it's not just basically giving a slap on the hand and saying, oh, well, that's kind of foolish if you go in that direction. The, the way of the fool is the way of destruction, as you'll see very clearly in Proverbs. So it's so important that we take these principles seriously and say, I'm not going to just be led by my own heart, my own whims, my own desires, my own emotions. Now that is easier said than done because we live in a culture that is always pushing us toward trusting in our own heart. So whether it is you know, bags and purses and home decor and t-shirts and whatever, we're always hearing that message, you know, do whatever you want to do, be true to who you are, fulfill your dreams, follow your heart. That's a very common theme in our culture today to the point where we often believe it is our right to trust in our own heart. We need to get back to the word of God where the word of God says, be careful. That is a dangerous path. We need to choose God's wisdom over our own emotion. Now, what is the solution to being led by emotion? It's very clearly stated in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, trust in that verse means to place confidence in. And heart means your feelings, your intellect, your will. So it's that same word heart when it says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. It's the same word here in this verse, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So instead of trusting your own heart, you're trusting the Lord with all of your heart and you're not leaning on your own understanding. That is the way of success. That is the way to be delivered from an emotion-based reasoning, an emotion-based approach to life. It says in Proverbs 18 too, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own 
heart. Now, in our Christian culture, feelings are placed on a very high pedestal, not just in the world around us, but also in the Christian world, because it's often considered wise and healthy to evaluate our feelings, to process our feelings and express our feelings. Some of us even worship our feelings and make an idol out of our emotions because we put far more trust in our emotions than in the unchanging truth of Jesus Christ. This is so dangerous and so unbiblical, even though so many of us as women struggle with this. I love these two quotes by Elizabeth Elliott. What a great reminder that we don't have to be controlled by emotion. Obedience to God is always possible. It is a deadly error to fall into the notion that when feelings are extremely strong, we can do nothing but act on them. Wow, so powerful because we so often feel helpless and out of control when our emotions take over. She also said the difficulty is to keep a tight rein on our emotions. They may remain, but it is not they who are to rule the action. A life lived in God is not lived on the plane of the emotions, but of the will. The key truth is this. Our feelings do not need to take over and they do not need to control us. We can command our feelings to change, to align with God's truth. We see this in Psalm 42 and in Psalm 43, where he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Here is a picture of someone who is struggling with being downcast, depressed, discouraged. And this person is commanding his soul to say, you You don't need to be that way. You can hope in God, you can praise God, and you can lift your emotions out of that pit. Emotions are very much like a fire in a fireplace. If you allow that fire to remain in the fireplace, it's healthy, it's good, it can bring warmth and light to a house. But if you allow that fire to get out of its place and take control of the house, it will burn the house down. And so emotions themselves are not bad, but they have to be contained. They have to be brought under the control of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at a few practical ways to bring our emotions under the control of Christ. We talked about this a few episodes ago in the context of relationships, though. I think it's so critical that we are very aware of what our emotions are doing and whether they're in control of our lives or not. So for example, when you're journaling, when you are processing your private thoughts, are you focusing too much on your own feelings? Are you just venting, analyzing, expressing your emotions? Would you approach this area of your life differently, the area of processing your emotions, journaling, et cetera? If you were focused completely on discovering Christ's truth and seeking God's wisdom rather than just expressing your own heart. Now, as we said before in the previous episode where I talked about this, it might be more fun or initially satisfying to express your own heart because maybe God is feeling distant and you're reluctant to search for his truth, but he promises in his word that we will find him when we seek after him with all our heart. As it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And again, there's that word, our heart, our feelings, our intellect, our will, that same word when we stop trusting in our own heart and we put all of that emotion, all of that energy into seeking after him with all of our heart, that's when we're going to truly find him. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 24, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That is what it means to seek after him with all of our heart, willing to give everything else up. And so just looking at your private processing, are you able to go from just venting and processing your emotions to really seeking answers in the word of God, learning inductive Bible study, which means diving deeper into what the words mean and the context in which they were written, 
writing your feelings down as prayers to Christ and making sure whatever feelings or emotions you are expressing are being brought into alignment with truth, declaring God's truth and promises to your soul, waiting on him, letting him speak to your heart, and freshly surrendering your life to him. So for me, the entire purpose of privately journaling or processing my thoughts is to align my emotions and my perspective with God's truth. If I'm just trying to get in touch with my feelings or express my feelings, I'm really not getting anywhere. And usually that causes me to evaluate my feelings higher than they should be. Healthy processing should not just connect us with our feelings, but they should connect us with Christ and his truth. And so it's the same as when we are expressing our feelings and our thoughts to others. Are we just focusing on our emotions or are we focusing focusing on bringing our emotions in alignment with truth. So prayerfully consider, do I let my emotions dictate my thoughts and my daily decisions, or am I taking every thought captive to the will of Christ? Am I kicking out thoughts that do not align with God's truth, no matter how right they may feel? So if we don't bring our emotions under the control of God's spirit, we will be in danger of approaching this area of our life emotionally and being led by feelings rather than led by the spirit of God. And that always leads to relational disaster. Bringing our emotions under Christ's control starts with our everyday processing, thinking, and communication patterns. So begin to look at that, not just how you're handling relationships, but how are you handling emotions in every situation of your daily life? And are you bringing them under the control of the spirit of God? And another important key to a relational code of honor is to remain unavailable until God clearly leads towards marriage. Now, this is definitely for the single ladies who are listening to this, but if you're married, tuck this away because this is such a critical truth that eventually some young girl in your life will need to hear this, whether it's your daughter or a younger sister or a friend. This is a critical truth that we so often forget in our single years, but it's really understanding that we are set apart already taken, unavailable, not just on the open market until God brings our future husband into our life. In guy-girl friendships and interactions during your single years, you are either sending signals of guardedness or availability in every conversation, every action, even digital conversations. So be aware of that. And people wonder, well, what about a purity ring? What about a purity commitment? Really the best use of those things is to remind you that your heart, body, mind are already spoken for, already set apart first for Christ and then for the person that one day you'll marry if God has called you to marriage. So I just want to give you a few practical These are for the single years of how to live unavailable and set apart until God has truly, clearly led you towards marriage, pursue marriage with someone. And first would be graciously withdrawing from conversations with the opposite sex after an appropriate length of time so that you're not hovering and lingering around the opposite sex and just constantly sort of being in those conversations with guy-girl friendships. What you might see as a fun friendship, he might take as interest and availability or the opposite. Only share what is necessary, not more than what is necessary. The opposite sex shouldn't be hearing the intimate details of what you are going through, et cetera, because that is opening up your heart in an unhealthy way. And one of the things I I often say to single girls is to use the marriage test. If you were married and you wanted to keep a healthy relationship with your husband, you wouldn't go find a different guy and just start pouring out your heart to him and sharing your intimate thoughts and ideas and struggles, because that would be a violation of something sacred between you and your husband. The same is true in your single years. Don't hover around the opposite sex and have 
long extended conversations and share all this personal deep stuff that you're going through. A lot of single girls think, well, I can talk a lot better to guys than to girls, but it's really dangerous because if you wouldn't do that after marriage, why is it okay to do that before marriage? It's not really honoring to your future husband and it's opening up unhealthy emotional connections with someone that you are not uh, headed towards marriage with. Again, the same is true when you're listening to guys share things. You don't need to hear their entire life story, all about their past hurts and failures and struggles, etc., because it's, again, opening up a channel of emotions that is not appropriate in a pre-marriage situation. Remember that spiritual encouragement and deep personal prayer should be done in a group setting in the body of Christ, not personal one-on-one type of praying, because that does the same thing. It can open up channels of emotion and connection of intimacy that shouldn't be there. And avoiding private communication, private intimate communication, whether that's in-personal or digital through texting and other means of digital communication, and really just avoiding becoming a counselor, a sounding board, or that listening ear to the opposite sex. Because all of those things, they may seem harmless, but they open up emotions and they allow emotions to take over. Our goal in every friendship, whether it's with a guy or a girl, is to fasten the other person's soul to Christ, to point them back to Christ, and to be the one that they always come to with all of their deepest hurts and desires and emotions is not only dangerous in the relational sense, it also attaches them to us rather than to Christ in that way of, you know, you're the one that I need to come to with these things rather than I'm going to Christ and pour out my heart to him, which is the biblical pattern. If you feel like you connect better in your single years with guys than with girls, pray for the right kind of female friends. Don't try to just say, well, I just like being around these guys better. I like sharing with them versus these girlfriends. Don't try to satisfy your heart's desires with guy friends because it only leads to dishonoring to Christ's pattern. It only leads to dishonor of your future husband and letting your emotions take over. Another thing that can help you remain unavailable until God clearly leads towards marriage is to not just quickly respond if and when a guy shows interest. Stay guarded and come to a place where you know that God is leading you and you have the support of key authorities in your life and you are in the correct season of life before indicating that the door is open for a relationship. And this is where faith comes in. Because if God really is putting a relationship together, he can hold that potential relationship together if he is really leading it, even if there is a waiting season involved. Just like I talked about a couple of episodes ago with Jim and Elizabeth Elliot and Reese and Elizabeth Howes, they laid their relationship down, constantly surrendered it back to God and waited a number of years, knowing that God would hold it together if it was really him writing the love story? Are we willing in those single years to approach this area of our life with faith instead of fear where, oh, I have to cling so tightly to this potential relationship because what if I lose it? We can't let that be our motive because God is perfectly capable of holding a relationship together if it's truly him that's writing the story. And the third relational code of honor is this, understand the weight and the value of marriage. God says that he hates divorce. So the marriage covenant is not something we should enter into lightly. If you've never taken time to study the significance of marriage covenant in scripture, that is a fascinating study because it's not just a nice sounding commitment. I'm going to stay with this person as long as it's convenient for me. It's a covenant that you enter into spiritually that is not meant to be broken by anything 
but death. And it is an outflow or an example of the covenant relationship that we make with Christ. Outside of our decision to follow Jesus Christ, marriage is the most important decision we will ever make. We cannot make our decision based on emotion, romantic ideals, or impatience. And like I said, I've seen people who have rushed into a marriage relationship, maybe leaned a little bit too much on rules and formulas, and learned the hard way that they rushed into it and they entered into covenant with someone that wasn't even who they thought they were. So I encourage you to wait for God's timing and to remember that God is not in a hurry. And it's just so easy to feel like, oh, I'm going to lose this if I don't just rush into it. But marriage, again, is the most important decision you are ever going to make outside of your decision to follow Christ. So understand the weight and the value of marriage and be sure that God truly is leading you. And take time to really get to know the person's true character, their passions for Christ, not just what they want you to see. And that is one of the dangers, I think, in a relationship that is solely digital or online-based, is that it's very easy to show the other person what they want you to see or what you want them to see, as opposed to really knowing who they are. It was such a blessing to me to get to know Eric in a family setting. Most of the ways that I observed him were around his family or in the body of Christ, instead of just on these one one-on-one dates where we kind of put our best foot forward and only showed what we wanted the other person to see because you can't really be a fake around people who know you that well or you're around your family. And so really looking for those opportunities. And, and if you don't feel like, well, I don't ever see that person around their family, or I don't see them in those other settings, then pray that God would show you those opportunities to observe them and take your time and wait. And observation is a very underrated way to get to know someone. So often we feel like, oh, I just have to dive in and get to know this person. Person. But taking a step back and saying, Lord, show me who this person really is through observation. And God can just turn your attention to those key moments, those key conversations, those key things that you're able to see when they don't even know that you're watching them. And I had a lot of moments like that in my relationship with Eric, where I was able to observe him from a distance and see his true character come through. I remember being on a missions trip with our two families and a big group from our church and just watching how he interacted with these inner city children children that we were ministering to when he didn't think anybody else was watching him was one amazing way for me to see what God was doing in his life, to see how he treated his mom and his sister and how he respected his parents was all just a part of God showing me who he really was. Keep in mind that a godly man will never make you feel rushed or pressured into marriage. Marriage is a covenant that God takes very seriously. So be watchful of emotional manipulation, worried about hurting the other person if you say no or pull away or want to wait or don't want to move forward too quickly, etc. because this is just not a decision we should rush into. Also remember the value of the spiritual authorities God has placed in your life in your single years. If you are young, a young woman with godly parents, your parents are anointed by God to be guidance for you, to be your teammates in this process. So take their advice and their caution seriously. And if you're older in a season where you're not maybe living at home with your parents or you don't have godly parents that can fill that role, then pray that God would show you who the spiritual authorities are that can be guides and teammates and counselors for you along the way. And if they have a caution or if they have a pause, don't just barrel forward and 
and say, well, I don't really care what they have to say. Take that seriously. Because again, a godly relationship builds unity and builds health in all the relationships that are involved, all the family relationships and the friendships in the body of Christ. It doesn't bring disunity and discord to those relationships. God is not leaving us to figure this out on our own. So in all the seasons of our relational life, whether pre-marriage, marriage, singleness, engagement, he is right there waiting to lead us and guide us every step of the way. So when we commit to surrender to him, when we commit to say, Lord, I want to bring my emotions under your control, when we commit to being spoken for and unavailable in our single years until we know God is leading towards marriage, and when we commit to taking the marriage covenant seriously and understanding the weight and value of marriage and not rushing into it, those are principles that God will honor, and those are keys to having a truly God-centered relationship. In our next episode, we're going to go into the second part of relationship code of honor. And meanwhile, I just encourage you to take these principles in whatever season of life you're in, whether they're principles that you're called to share with younger women in your life or principles that God's calling you to apply right now today, that you would say, Lord, I want to be led and directed by you and not my flesh and not my emotions. I want your very best for me because truly God's ways are perfect and we will never regret yielding this area of our life to him. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and we will continue our relationship code of honor. Like I said, next week, if you would like to go deeper into these principles, check out the many resources that we have for you at setapart.org. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.